And welcome back to another exciting episode of Long Winded Spiel, episode 46, coming at you live from the overcast slash sunny city of Canoga Park. Um, hey everyone, welcome back. Hope uh, the last few weeks have been well, treated you well, you've done everything and you got the stuff that you were working towards or maybe you're halfway there and you're still working towards a bunch of cool shit. Either way, keep grinding. Um, hard work pays off, as they always say. Um, I don't want to sound too cliche here, but it's the truth. Damn it. Um, keep it up. But yeah, so welcome back. Uh, got a couple cool things to talk to you about. Um, I don't want to bend your ear for too long. I do have to go to work soon, so I wanted to squeeze in a nice little uh, gem of a podcast before then. So I have about a 45-minute to a 50-minute window, so I'm going to try to cram in as much fun stuff and cool topics in the um, in that in that small window. But anyways, uh, a lot has happened since la- since the last episode. Um, but I'm just going to give you cliff notes and we'll jump into some uh, cool MMA stuff because that's what I love and I'm going to force you to love that. I'm going to spoon feed it to you until you do. And uh, and then I got some cool uh, current events um, coming your way as well. But um, anyway, first things first. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so, I am, from a level to 1 to 10, 10 being, I don't need to explain to you the, the levels, I mean, 10 is obviously the worst, and 1 being nothing. Um, from a level to 1 to 10, as far as soreness goes, from my legs, my, uh, my, my hamstrings specifically, um, I would say I'm at about a level 8, and that is because I spent um, the better half of uh, yesterday... Uh, climbing Mount Wilson with uh, some of my dearest friends, uh, my buddy Joshua Davis and uh, Matt Rodick. Uh, shout out, guys. Yeah, we um, we conquered this fucking mountain. And for those of you that do not know, uh, Mount Wilson is no joke. It's about a seven-mile trek up the mountain. And obviously, you got to come right back down. So you're looking at about 14 and a half to about 15 miles, um, depending on which path you take. Um, certain paths um, end up kind of taking you the long route, um, which is what we ended up doing by just sheer accident. Um, it was my first time, and so it was Josh's as well. Matt's been up there a few times, um, but I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have the area mapped out because I mean, I, I know he does. But we took a different route going up as opposed to what he was used to. Um, now that could do one of two things: either he can a uh, speed things up. You know, you end up finding out, oh, wow, here's a shortcut here. We end up shaving off about a quarter of a mile, um, this and that, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, no matter which, uh, which trail you take, it's they're all very scenic. I mean, it's beautiful up there. Not kidding when I say that. It was gorgeous. Uh, there are moments where um, we would just stop and just sit in silence and just observe everything and just listen to the forest and just, it was beautiful because there was a point when we were actually right above the cloud line. So you couldn't see any of the city and it was just an ocean of cloud. And then there was a point when we were right in the middle of it. And it was just, I don't know, it looked like something uh, like something out of a movie. It really almost didn't seem real. It was gorgeous. But anyways, so yeah, going back to my point. Um, so uh, two options, taking a different route. A, you end up finding out that it's shorter and uh, you end up shaving some time. Or B, the complete opposite. Um, obviously it ended up being B. We ended up taking this route and then it gave us like a long loop around 
and we uh, found out that it actually added about a quarter mile to about a half mile onto our trek, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, we all kind of laughed about it, and we learned, okay, well, don't take that one again. So there you go. It's a silver lining. We learned something new, um, specifically Matt, because that was his area, and he's he hasn't been down that way, so now he can kind of cross that one off his list because he's gone up it three times. Well, four times technically. Um, uh, yeah, but... No complaints, though. You know, we all took that one right on the chin. We're like, okay, well, we just added some time. Um, and we're going to have to go ahead and, and make do with what, what we just did. <laughs> and so we ended up um, uh, we ended up taking about an extra 20 minutes or so. So uh, it took – it ended up being a grand total of 15-plus miles yesterday, which is great. And then those 15 miles – well, the first half of the hike obviously is all uphill, right? I mean, you're climbing up a damn mountain. Um, and the incline on this mountain, uh, it's it's no joke. Um, I'm not just saying that. It's it's definitely something that was um, – I mean, I, I going into it, I kind of expected it to be – I mean, if, you know, if somebody says, yo, we're going to go on a 14-mile hike today, you kind of know in the back of your head, oh, okay, cool, there are going to be some, some challenges, you know? Um, and I knew it was incline because, I mean, how else do you climb up a mountain? You know, it's not like you're – you know, you don't walk in a straight line and end up at the top of a mountain, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, it ended up being around – oh, man, I just wish I knew the incline on that. Um, it ended up being around the most physically uh, difficult hikes that I've been on. I've been on a few. Um, two come to mind right off the top of my head. Uh, the first one being um, uh, when I did Sandstone Peak in Santa Monica. Uh, the, uh, it's the tallest, it's the highest peak in the Santa Monica mountain range. It sits around 3,100 feet or something like that. It's pretty fucking high. Um, I believe this one's a little bit higher up. Uh, and the Santa Monica trail, uh, there, there are two trails for the Santa Monica sandstone peak. There's a, um, a 12 mile, a trail, six miles there, six miles back, which is the one that I took. And that's the one that was, Pretty. It was a doozy. Uh, there was a lot more of a. Um, there was. There wasn't as much of an incline. I would say, as far as the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the vertical part of it. Like when you're climbing up at. When you're climbing up the hill, there are times when we were doing this Mount Wilson where I felt like we were just walking up the side of a cliff. I mean, it was like a zigzag trail that would lead all the way up. So you would go, you know, fifteen to twenty feet. In a fucking straight vertical line, pretty much. Well, at, at a slant, and then it would turn, and then the trail would continue up the side, going the opposite way. So it was literally like a zigzag up this giant mountain face, and that was intense. And the trail itself was super narrow. Um, the slightest slip would definitely lead to a uh, the bad ending <laughs> to a uh, to a hike. Um, yeah, I mean, especially certain parts where it was just a straight cliff. So. By bad ending, I mean you're not getting off that fucking mountain. Um, yeah, so that that was intense. But uh, Sandstone Peak, uh, the the trails are a little bit wider. Um, it just seemed uh, Sandstone Peak. It just seemed like there are more uh, moments of um, of just straight uh, incline as opposed to that zigzag style. But they both took around the same amount of time. I think when I completed the Sandstone Peak, that took me around four and a half to about five hours. I think it was about five hours. I was there with uh, Michael Gilman and Trevor Barnes. 
But um, but yeah, that one that was very very difficult. Also, I didn't plan um, that trail the way that I should have. The one in Sandstone Peak, I didn't take enough uh, food. That was one thing. I I only brought um, I only brought uh, uh, I just brought water and well, I mean I obviously bring water. But as far as food goes, I really only brought fruit. Um, I had fruit. I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have enough fruit. I think I just brought like a couple oranges and a banana. Um, which was kind of a bummer. This one, I had a good breakfast. Um, I, you know, I learned from my mistakes. I had a really good breakfast before we started Mount Wilson, and I brought uh, several bananas, apples, uh, some nectarines. You know, there's some fruit that'll add some some water to you as well. Um, and uh, and Matt and uh, Josh brought a bunch of um, those granola bars and and all that other good stuff, like Cliff bars and all that other stuff. And Matt even brought some almonds, which were pretty fantastic. But yeah, so. Um, so great, it was fun. Um, if I, I plan on doing it again. I my legs are for sure extremely upset with me, um, but that's amazing though. Because again, we are getting ready for that half marathon, and I believe today's what the twenty fourth, the twenty fourth. I believe the half marathon is on the twenty third of next month. So in a way, we kind of had a simulated trial run. As far as testing your endurance and your uh, your overall, just like you know, your overall phys- physical game. Uh, yeah, so was, I, I mean, we're a month out and we're doing this uh, 15 mile hike, and most of it, half of it's climbing a mountain, and the other half is running down the mountain. So I think that's a nice little gauge on whether or not you know we've been putting in the road work. Um, I did end up cramping up a little bit coming down. I I credit that to. Um, uh, not drinking enough water. It was very cold up there, especially since we started so early. So one thing I noticed is that when it's cold, I don't drink enough water, but I'm still sweating. I mean, you're, you know, you're still, you're climbing up a mountain. So of course you're sweating. So I was losing water without replenishing it. And I just, I wasn't thirsty because it being cold. And, uh, so that was one little mistake that I did. And I definitely plan on, um, addressing that. And as far as the overall, the overall how I feel about it, I mean, I feel great. You know, I feel amazing. I, I felt as if everything that I've been working on is definitely, I sh- it was paying off. You know, I was able to push through certain moments. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking ready to go for this half marathon, man. I mean, not right I'm not at the second because at this second my legs are pretty, pretty beat up. But, um, you know, June 23rd, fucking, yeah, I'm ready to rock. So uh, thanks again, Matt, for bringing us on that hike, man. It was a lot of fun. And uh, like I was saying, if I were, to, I will do it again. And when I do it again, I'm going to wear different shorts. I wore some cargo shorts that um, ended up getting wet and kind of adding a little extra weight to me, which added to some uh, discomfort. And um, I would bring a little bit more water. I brought enough water, but I wish I had had a little bit more to where I can really kind of not have to worry about the de- the dehydration part. I mean... I was like at towards the end of the hike I realized I didn't have enough so I was kind of like rationing it. I wasn't um wasn't drinking as much as I as I wanted to the times that I was giving myself water. So uh because I just didn't want to run out completely. So that was another fuck up on my part. But hey, you know, didn't die. It wasn't like it was something that was like an overnight thing. We fucking stuck to the trail, killed it, got down safe, had some in and out protein style burgers right afterwards. So you know that makes the body good. But yeah, so anyways, um, for those of you out there that are um, avid hikers or 
want to challenge yourself or want to put yourself in a situation where you're like, how would I fare against this mountaintop? Um, I would recommend Mount Wilson or Sandstone Peak. Either one of those. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sandstone Peak, you, you, it's in the, it's fucking in Santa Monica, duh. So you get the view of the ocean, you get the view of the valley. Um, no trees, <laughs> there aren't any trees out there. But I mean, the ocean alone is fucking gorgeous. So you get a really great view at the very end of it as well. Uh, Mount Wilson, complete opposite. It's uh, just as beautiful, don't get me wrong, but you're in a forest. So you have all these tall trees, you have this beautiful view afterwards, uh, you're above the cloud line, at least we were, um, and if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw my post. Um, it was like an ocean, except that ocean was just clouds, and it completely covered the entire city. You couldn't see Pasadena, Burbank, LA, nothing. And I'm sure on a clear day you can see all of it, but... It was – I prefer it that way. I mean I'm not I, – I mean don't get me wrong. I mean I, I love the view of the entire uh, uh, valley plus L.A. and downtown and all that, all that other shit. But it's a little different when – I mean how often do you go up there and you see an ocean of clouds and it just covers everything? It looked like a, a meteor just hit the fucking Pacific Ocean and sent a wave into it and just washed everything away because it was just – it looked like the ocean. It was incredible. Is breathtaking for sure, but um, yeah. So for those of you out there that, that are looking into, um, you know, getting into hiking and all that other good stuff, I would definitely recommend um, either one of those. Um, now, re- remember, um, bring lots of water, pack some food. Um, I'm not talking about like sandwiches and fucking chips. I'm talking about actual shit that your body can convert into energy, um, like Cliff Bars or um, or some sort of uh, Trail Mix bars. Um, definitely take some fruit with you, you know what I mean, to kind of keep those, just keep those sugars in you. But eat a lot to eat a lot of bananas so your body's full of potassium and you don't cramp up. Um, I, I drank some Pedialyte the night before, or Gatorade if you don't like the taste of Pedialyte. That way you get those electrolytes inside your body and you don't cramp up like I did. Um, uh, but yeah, like it's not. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun as well. And the best part about it is that we climbed up this mountain. And then we decided to run down. That's what we always do, though. I mean, we always run down the hills, um, which is a great thing. It's fun. It uh, speeds up the uh, the hike. Uh, definitely shaves off a few hours. But um, uh, it's not the smartest thing, considering that we are at the peak of our fatigue and having to have that muscle control as you're running down a fucking mountaintop, especially with those sharp corners and those narrow paths. Um, it's it's challenging for sure. 100% is challenging, but Jesus, is it fun? It's so much fun. Highly recommend it, especially especially for those of you out there that are that are trying to speed things up. I mean, that was one thing that we were saying is um, uh, Matt Matt said when we're at the very peak, uh, he said it'll take us about an hour and a half to get down. So that we kind of like we heard that and we're like, okay, let's make it down. Let's cover seven miles in an hour and a half going down a hill, um, and uh, we had, ended up taking us about an hour and forty. So he wasn't too far off, and um, that definitely sets up the standard for the next time we do it. So next time we're going to make that hour and 30, which is great. I mean, covering seven miles, running down a hill, it's pretty fucking good, I think. Especially if you're trying your best not to fall off the fucking the, the, the hill and fall to your death. Hey, um, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so do it, everyone. It's a lot of fun. You'll love it. You'll, you'll, you'll be happier afterwards. Um, You'll be sore, <laughs> you'll be sore, but you'll be 
happy that you did it. And um, yeah, so I recommend that one. But anyways, moving on. So, uh, hey Achilles. I brought my dog Achilles with me on that trek. And uh, let me just say, he's been sleeping for the last 24 hours or so. This guy's, well, yeah, he's been, he just gets up, eats food, goes right back to sleep. Guy's exhausted. Uh, my little savage. But anyway, so yeah, moving on. So this weekend, um, we have some cool stuff coming out. Um, I didn't want to, but I'm going to have to just cover uh, the NBA. Um, I don't really follow it, but um, apparently uh, the Boston Celtics are one win away from winning the uh, the Eastern Conference or some shit like that. So I guess they have a game on, I don't fucking know, Saturday or some shit. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully Mr. King James can come back and do something. I don't know. Or maybe his teammates. I wish I had more information to give you, <laughs> but I don't. And um, the Warriors uh, against the Rockets, uh, yes, they're, uh, it's a tied series, 2-2. And um, they're playing tonight at 6 p.m. So, and, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see if uh, Mr. Curry can do something and if the other guys can do something against that. I don't fucking know. I don't follow basketball. But I figured I might as well at least let y'all know what's going down. And, uh, yeah, so moving on. Uh, mixed martial arts. Here we go. Something I like to talk about. Uh, we got a great fight card coming up. We had a uh, we had a couple of fight cards in the last few weeks. Um, I think Raquel Pennington. Uh, challenged Amanda Nunez for the bantamweight title. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago? Two Saturdays ago? Yeah. So um, that was a crazy fight. Um, a lot of, and then in the co-main event, I believe. Oh man, I forgot who the co-main event was already. That's a bummer. Uh, either way, great fight. Oh wait, it was actually Vitor Belfort against uh, Leota Machida. So yeah, uh, we'll just cover those two fights because I forget the rest of the fight card. Even though I was there and I watched it go down. Um, so uh, we'll start off with Leota Machida and Vitor Belfort. Uh, so that was uh, it was Vitor Belfort's last fight on his contract in the UFC. Uh, for those of you that do not know, Vitor Belfort is. The Godfather um, of uh, of MMA, one of the Godfathers. I mean, he's been around since the very beginning, since there are essentially no rules, and he uh, he's had a long historic career. I'm talking about he's fought pretty much everyone, you know, from John Jones to some of the newest fighters like John Jones to um, Randy Couture, twice or three times or something like that. Um, to, uh, everybody. I mean, shit, Tank Abbott. He fought Tank Abbott. <laughs> you know, like, this guy, this guy's been around for a minute. So, yeah, he's fought all up and down the world. But, yeah, so he said he was going to retire. Um, so he fought Leota Machida as his last fight in the UFC, who is another fellow Brazilian. Leota Machida, call him a dragon. Karate style. Uh, for those of you that do not know Leota Machida, please look him up. Just just Google Leoto Machida. Um, and watch this guy fight. Just watch his highlight reel. He is like a video game character with his stance and his approach to fighting. The way he fights is very karate-oriented, straightforward. It's almost like he, uh, when he fights, it's like if, um, if a 
like when it comes to sword fighting, imagine a fencer. He's kind of like he's fencing. It's very much like he stabs and moves away, stabs and moves away in a very linear line. But it's a beautiful way of, of fighting. I mean, I love watching him. He really is like a video game character. He um, he's been the world champion before. He's he's fought some of the best fighters as well, like John Jones. I hope John Jones is the common denominator here. Um, he fought John Jones. He's fought uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua. He's fought Rashad Evans. He's fought everybody. He even fought BJ Penn back in um, uh, 08 or something like that. Uh, BJ Penn was, at the time, you know, considered to be one of the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighters on the planet. He wanted to test himself, so he went up to heavyweight. And uh, so he pretty much just ate whatever the fuck he wanted and uh, went all the way up to heavyweight to fight Leona Machida because he's a badass. And that's what BJ Penn's going to do if he wants to do it. So, yeah, so BJ... Uh, he's fought, so Leo Machida's fought everyone uh, as well. Um, but yeah, so the fight against Vitor Belfort and um, Leo Machida uh, didn't go down the way that. Uh, oh, spoiler alert! Okay, you're at this point. It's your fault. So because um, I gave you a warning. Um, so Leo Machida did exactly what Leo Machida does, and that's he gets your timing, he figures out what you're doing, and he throws a fucking front kick. Uh, you know, a front face kick right to the chin of Mr. Belford and puts him right out. So um, the second round, uh, I'm sure Belford didn't want to go out that way. But um, it was it was a sad moment, uh, especially for Belford because it was in his hometown of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And his mom was there in the audience, so that kind of sucked, I'm sure. But yeah, so that's uh, – it wasn't – I'm sure it's not the way that uh, Vitor Belford wanted to end his – his career, um, but at least it was against a fellow Brazilian who was very respectful, who wasn't running around the octagon cheering and praising and fucking, you know, popping a bunch of uh, confetti poppers and all that other shit. Uh, Leonardo Machida was very respectful. He was, um, he helped him up. He, he kneeled down while uh, Vitor was knocked out and he didn't, yeah, he was, when you get knocked out by somebody, I think what Leota Machida did after he knocked him out is the best case scenario. He wasn't celebrating. He wasn't doing backflips or cartwheels. He literally, I mean, for those of you that don't know, um, it's like it's like you take a knee. He like took a knee and he remained in that position until Vitor Belfort sat up and then they got him back and he wasn't and he can see that visibly see that he was okay and then he stood up and then you know. You know, went to his corner and started to do a little celebration. But outside of that, it was very respectful. Like it was a very, uh, it was a class act for sure. So uh, uh, Leo Machida, definitely. I mean, I've always been a fan of his, but after after seeing that, I um, I have I have a little bit more respect for him. Um, but anyways, yeah. So moving on. Uh, so the reason why I really wanted to talk about that is because I don't think that's going to be Vitor Belford's last fight. I really don't. I'm actually, if I were Vegas. <laughs> And I would set the odds, the lineup, for whether or not Vitor Belford retires or Vitor Belford signs to another organization, <clears throat> Bellator, and um, decides to go back on his Mexican supplements, uh, also known as uh, TRT. I'm saying the chances of that is at reti- uh, uh, Vitor retiring might, uh, plus 800. Vitor Belford going to another organization like Bellator or some other one in Japan and continuing his supplement use minus 1600. 
That's my fucking call, man, if I were Vegas. I'm telling you right now, Vitor Belfort is not going to end his career on that note. He's not. He's just, I'm not saying he's a prideful guy or anything like that. I'm saying that he's a smart guy. He realizes I'm in my 40s or late 30s, I forget. And I've seen so many battles. I mean, this guy is like an old king. You know, he's like that old king that just has, that created peace with his bare hands because he had to go out and fight all the fucking bad dudes. And now there's peace, and now he gets to live in peace for a while. And But in all reality, there is no peace because he's still a fucking warrior inside. And he's not going to go out on that note where he gets knocked out in front of his mom in his hometown. Like, he's just not going to do that. And I know for a fact that if he were allowed to use... Um, uh, a TRT, he would have been using. He'd probably still be fighting. That probably would not have been his last fight. Uh, for those of you that do not know Vitor Belford, over the last five or six years, uh, it's been a big controversy for him because he's older, so his body naturally doesn't produce as much testosterone. Um, or as Vitor Belford would say, with his thick Portuguese accent, uh, thick Portuguese accent, uh, tesserone. He says tesserone. <laughs> so funny. Anyways, um, yeah, so... Uh, he's been using a lot of TRT, and that's uh, – he says that he needs it. It's like a medical thing. Uh, his body doesn't produce enough to even heal and during training camp. He's very lethargic, and his body doesn't recover properly, and his uh, the muscle doesn't uh, – he stays sore for uh, – you know, his muscles stay sore for longer and this and that and everything under the sun. Um, so he was actually one of two fighters to be medically cleared to use – uh, TRT. The other uh, one was Dan Henderson. And uh, yeah, so Vitor Belford was using this stuff, dude. He was fucking just injecting it as often as he could. And uh, he went on and had some amazing highlight reel knockouts against fighters half his age. And one of which, who is his most uh, vocal critic, is. Uh, Michael Bisping, who is the um, the ex UFC middleweight champion, I mean, he had a fight against Vitor Belford back when Vitor was juiced to the gills. I mean, this guy was fucking jacked. I mean, his six pack had a six pack. You know what I mean? And uh, he was just. They went out. They fought, and Vitor put up. I mean, it was a competitive fight. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it was one sided. But Vitor threw something that he usually never throws, and he was like a spinning head kick. And we're talking about he's like in his late 30s, you know, mid to late 30s. And he's in his entire career, even in his 20s, he never threw a fucking head kick or, or a spinning wheel kick for that matter. And he lands it right on this, um, I think it's a right temple of Michael Bisbing. And, you know, puts him out, he follows it up with a couple of shots, whatever, fight's over, right? <clears throat> Vitor Belfort looks like a guy that's on TRT. I'm, I'm not kidding when I say his six-pack had a six-pack. This guy is jacked up, just completely swollen. Looks like a fucking savage, just oh, crazy. And he goes out and he fucking celebrates, and then Michael Bisping ends up... Uh, the reason why Michael Bisping is the most vocal is because he his face has been permanently disfigured because of that because of that fight and when he found out afterwards that uh Vitor Belford was on TRT I mean that's like cheating you know like you're supposed to have a fair fight with somebody and you know you're not allowed to bring in any weapons or anything like that it's just fists um you know feet shins elbows etc and this guy was on a supplement that gives you more strength 
gives you more cardio, keeps your testosterone at a higher level so you can output more, you can recover faster. And let's not forget the most beneficial part of it is the mental part of it. It's like the whole placebo effect. If you believe, if you know, first off, if you're taking a supplement, in the back of your mind, your confidence is at an all-time high because you're thinking, oh, I'm on this fucking supplement, dude. I'm not going to get tired. I'm not going to um, get hurt. I'm the strongest I've ever been. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to run through this guy. That mindset alone is such an advantage, such an advantage. For anyone that says otherwise, I mean, you're crazy. It, you're, I mean, it's it's literally the placebo effect. You're taking a supplement that's giving you more strength. You're going to go into that contest knowing I'm stronger than I've ever been. So good luck trying to beat me before I was a, a savage. Now that I'm on this shit, dude, I'm like a god. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about Vitor Belfort had the ultimate confidence plus the ultimate supplement that was giving him the, 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 the physical edge. So Michael Bisbing obviously, as any one of us would have been, was fucking upset, just extremely upset, tried to protest it, but he couldn't do anything about it because Vitor Belfort had the medical clearing for it to use that. So what are you going to do? But um, yeah, so it permanently disfigured his face. It actually uh, it tore his retina in his right eye. And um, I guess he can't he can't see all that well out of that eye anymore. Uh, well, I mean, duh, right? Um, yeah, so he can't see all that well out of that eye anymore. And they actually had to uh, – they fixed it. They repaired it, but they can't permanently repair it because he's still fighting. Um, so Michael Bisbing – I mean this is a few years ago now. So Michael Bisbing has fought many times since then, and he's actually won the world title in middleweight. So – I guess that eye wasn't that much of an issue, right? Um, but anyway, so yeah, so uh, Michael Bisbing decided that he would he would permanently fix the eye once he retired, which according to him, he's one fight away from doing that. But what they did in the meantime in order to protect his retina is they actually injected a, um, a an oil, uh, this oil that is supposed to shield that part of the uh, the injured eye, and it's supposed to keep him okay. So when they um, are ready to perform that procedure, um, they could just pick up where they left off, I guess. But yeah, so Michael Bisping being the most vocal, um, and I would say... There's one other guy, Luke Rockhold, but Luke just got knocked out, and he was just felt like that was unfair, which I tend to agree. But anyway, so um, Vitor Belford is a savage when he's on this TRT. Like, Vitor Belford was a savage when he was in his 20s. So, you know, like, it's just like going back in time and grabbing that version of Vitor and bringing him out to the future and then having him fight when he's on this shit, you know, and when he's on the supplements, it's kind of like that. You know, he's still the same guy. He's just the, the younger version of himself. So... Yeah, but uh, but you know the as far as the transformation after he was not clear to use that uh, TRT anymore was just so drastic. I mean, we're talking about deflation. You know, you could just see the muscle mass leave him, and just his explosiveness is just gone, and he can't take a punch the same. And let's not forget the confidence, ladies and gentlemen. The confidence isn't there anymore. I'm not saying he's not a confident man because, I mean, he's a professional fighter. I'm sure he can walk into any bar and sit and not have to worry about a damn thing because he knows I can beat the shit out of anybody here. So there's nothing for him to worry about. But when you're going into a contest with another fellow superhero, a.k.a. professional fighter, uh, I call them superheroes because they're not your average human being. Um, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, that, that confidence isn't there, you know, because you, you – 
were riding a fucking wave, and you he rode that wave all the way into a title shot, and then that right at the title shot moment, they did not let him take the TRT anymore. So, I mean, the outcome wasn't the way that he wanted it to be. Uh, Chris Weidman put a stop to that real quick. But yeah, so he was riding uh, riding that confidence wave of like, I'm on TRT, I'm fucking destroying these younger guys. And then he runs into that, and they say um, he runs into USADA, and they um, decide, uh, hey, you're not allowed to take TRT anymore. And yeah, and then at that from that point on, he's probably, you know, he's a shell of, of the man that he once was. It's kind of what that, that turned into. And that confidence wasn't there anymore. And um, you could see it too, you know, which kind of sucks. But um, but hey, that's that's the price you pay when you um, when you uh, you put all your eggs in one basket, and that basket was TRT. Um, but again, I'm still a fan of Vitor. It sucks that he had to. I mean, I guess you can say he cheated. Um, it sucks that he had to cheat to win certain fights. But damn it, with those great highlight <laughs> real knockouts. Um, I'm I'm under the impression that if two fighters agreed to both take TRT, and they were completely okay with the consequences, um, would that make it bad? I mean, would that would that be okay? I I kind of think I'd like to see that. I like to see Vitor Belfort against another fighter that's on TRT and just kind of see what happens. You know, uh, would that turn into a freak show? Maybe, uh, but would it be entertaining? You fucking a right, it would be. So, and I tune in. But um, anyway, so yeah, uh, like I said, I think Vitor's gonna move into. Uh, he's gonna go to Bellator or one of these other um, organizations. He's gonna get clear to use TRT. It's probably going to take six months off. By six months, I mean he's probably going to get back on the supplements to kind of get himself going again, get his body acclimated. And then after that, you'll see the TRT tour. <laughs> and we'll uh, watch him destroy some people or get destroyed himself. I don't know. But it would be nice to see it. But I think, I think he's got one more fight in him. He's probably going to retire after he gets a violent knockout. And then he'll end up hanging up his gloves. But we'll end up seeing Alright, so I officially took too long on that topic. I wanted that one to be a lot quicker, but um, next time I'll, I'll shave. I'll trim the fat. Um, so Amanda Nunez versus Raquel Pennington. Great fight. Very one-sided. It was um, Raquel Pennington just didn't have the offensive tools or the defensive tools for that matter. But uh, but but mainly the offensive tools to um, to do anything to Amanda Nunez. And um, by that I mean Amanda Nunez, after the first round, she realized that Raquel Pennington just didn't have, I don't know if it's the power or just the overall skill set to really oppose any serious threat that could hurt Amanda Nunez. So Amanda just kind of had a punching bag with arms and legs, you know, because Raquel was just playing, she just shelled up for most of the fight, got her legs kicked out, got her nose broken, and... um, just got beat up, unfortunately. I mean, it was it was a really hard fight to watch. Um, not because the beating was that bad, but because it. I, I know how tough Amanda Nunez is, and I know how, how tough Raquel Pennington is. And I realized that they're also friends. So both of them being tough, and, and you know, you have the ego, and you have, like, that fighter's mentality. You know, you could just... You, you could see there's a point where Amanda was kind of holding back a little bit. But then... Raquel would come back with a counter and try to like hurt Amanda, which would put Amanda back into that "all right, I'm gonna beat this bitch's ass" mentality. And it just like I don't know, man. Like it was just a it was a weird fight to to, to watch, especially because they both have partners, um, and those partners are best friends. 
Um, uh, the, yeah, it was just a, a crazy, a crazy little scenario. But um, yeah, so Raquel Pennington just didn't really have too much to offer to really keep Amanda back and have Amanda respect her power. You know, have Amanda respect Raquel Pennington's power. And uh, so it turned into Amanda's throwing everything in the kitchen sink without any any caution because there was nothing Raquel Pennington was doing that could keep her from 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 doing that from stopping her from doing that and it was um it was crazy you know it was a really crazy fight um it was a good fight i i i i tipped my hat off to both of them you know they fucking went out there and did the whole thing and uh Amanda ended up putting away Raquel Pennington in the 5th round but the controversy in this whole thing leads into um well, it really starts in not in any particular round, but the break between rounds four and five. So um, at the end of the round, at the end of round four, Raquel went. Raquel Pennington went to her corner, and I guess her nose was broken at this point, and she was in a lot of pain. And she looked at her coach and said that she wanted to quit. She said she wanted to quit. She didn't want to be there anymore, and uh, she didn't want to fight. She didn't want to get off the stool. And her coach. Kind of turned into a cheerleader a little bit, you know. It was like, "Come on, you can do it. Let's not quit. Let's let's get through this together." That kind of a thing. And um, Raquel, you know, listened to her coach, went back out there in round five and got beat up, you know, and then got put away. And uh, there's huge, a huge wave of controversy um, on the coaches. Uh, you know, everybody from fighters to coaches to um, to everything, um, even people that just follow the sport or people that don't follow the sport and just had an opinion. Um, uh, the the masses were saying that that was wrong of them to let their fighter back out after she wanted to stop. They said that that was wrong and that they shouldn't have done that. They should have put their fighter first. Um, a lot of people were even taking personal jabs, saying that their the coaches wanted their fighter to win so they can actually put that under their resume of I've trained a world champion more. They cared about that more than they cared about the safety and well-being of their own fighter and uh, and everything. I mean, uh, you know, we have professional fighters saying, uh, you know, if I tell my coach I'm done, I hope they listen to me, you know, whatever. And then you have the opposite side of that spectrum, the opposite side. You have a lot of other fighters that you know, not only know Raquel Pennington and her coaches, but yeah, you know, they've trained together and all that other stuff and they just or those that, that haven't, they just have an opinion saying that sometimes, you know, your coaches are there to help you get through certain moments where you are mentally weak. Uh not mentally weak in a bad sense, but mentally weak in the sense of like when you're working out and um the the, the clearest example was from Misha Tate. She said it's it's equivalent to when you're working out or you're doing some sort of circuit training and you're down, you know, you 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 just did 12 sets of whatever workout you're doing, or 12 sets, 12 reps of whatever workout you're doing, and then you're supposed to do 13, and you're on that last one, and you're telling your coach, I want to quit, I don't want to do this, I, I can't do this last set, and then what do they do? What does everybody do? They, Come on, you can do it, man, just do it, just, just one more, just one more, and then you end up doing that last one, and you're like, oh my god, thank you so much for pushing me and getting me through that last set, so... um and, the, you know, that, that was a, I think that was a great example that Misha Tate said. She, she said a lot of times, like, she said, that's what your coaches are there for. They're there to push you through certain moments where you didn't think you can get through. And, um, and I, but she also has a personal relationship with Raquel Pennington, like they're friends. And uh, she's trained with her, her training partners. And a lot of people that 
that are um, that are close to Raquel Pennington all said the same thing. They all said that Raquel has a very close relationship with her coaches, and a lot of times her coaches do that during training, during sparring. Um, they uh, they act as cheerleaders. Apparently, there's certain times where Raquel kind of needs that extra motivation or that extra push, and um, she you know her, that's what her coaches do. So uh, so I guess a lot of these fighters are saying, well, you don't know the relationship between uh, Raquel Pennington and her coaches, and their relationship is very much like that. It's very much um, the coaches push her through certain times and they they help her out where she mentally can't get through it. And that was another example of, of that relationship relationship that they have. And so pretty much there are a lot of these other – they're just saying that all these other people that are, that are criticizing them is, uh, is just they're, – they're just wrong because uh, the relationship that Raquel has with their coaches is, is, is different. It's just it's different than I guess what most other fighters have. I don't know. But um, my, my overall opinion is I mean if I were in a fight and I said I wanted to quit – I don't think I'd be able to sleep that night if my coaches let me quit. I'm sure the pain and the regret that I would have from quitting and letting my coaches let me quit in a in a in a title fight like that, even though my nose is broken, my legs fucking hurt because I was getting whatever. You get the puncher's chance, right? Everyone still got a chance. I mean, she could have gone out there. Landed that one shot, knocked out uh, Raquel. I'm sorry, um, Amanda Nunez, and become the new champion. In which case, if that would have happened, every single person that was criticizing them before would have all said, "What fucking genius those coaches are! They knew their fighter was hurt, their fighter wanted to quit, but they knew exactly how to get that little bit extra out of their fighter in order to get her to get up off that stool, go into that fifth round, and close the show." Unfortunately, it did not work out that way, but if it did, everyone would be singing a different tune. They would be known for just being some of the best coaches to have in your corner during a moment like that. But it didn't happen that way, like I said. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, it it's kind of depends on how you look at it, right? But I personally, if I were in that situation, I would want my coaches to, to push me. I would be like, no, fucking get me out of this mental weakness stage that I'm in. And and encourage me to get into that next round. You know what I mean. So that's me because I I really think that regret that I would have for quitting would far last any physical injury that I had. I mean I know the nose is broken, the leg was hurting as far as Raquel's, but you know in a couple months all that's going to be you know healed up and gone. And a few years and when you're when you're retired and you're sitting in your home and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing at that time. That nose and that leg injury is not going to be—it's not going to be bothering you. Like that's—it's not going to ask me to think of the past. But that regret, that thought of knowing I fucking quit and they let me quit. Like if only I would have gone out in that fifth round. What if I would have won? What if I could have put something together and actually put away Amanda Nunez, or at the very least submitted her, or I don't know, maybe even just won that last round. I mean, you know, like I, I, even if she didn't win the title, she went back out there and beat up Amanda Nunez for a second. It, like that, that, that's better. That's better knowing that you didn't quit, knowing that you went out there and you left it all out there. There are no regrets. That is something that I think I couldn't live with. But that's me. That's my own personal opinion. I'm sure some of you out there feel differently. Some of you out there are probably still on, um, on the side of if she wants to quit, let her quit. 
and that's fine. That's totally okay. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I just think that that guilt on my shoulders, talking about me here, that guilt would have been too much for me to bear. It would have been something that would have bothered me until the the, the end of my days. I mean, honestly, I really believe that. Um, but yeah, so moving on. Uh, this weekend, uh, the only fight that I really want to talk about, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against, um, what's that dude's name? Oh man, how do I forget his name? That's a bummer. Everyone's been talking about Darren Till. Jesus. Cannot believe. I'm actually going to pull it up on my phone just in case I fuck up again. But yeah, so Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, versus uh, Darren Till. It's going to be a crazy, crazy fight. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is um, is considered by many to be... Man, he's like one of the greatest, greatest um, uh, strikers in the welterweight division of the UFC. I'm sorry, I'm trying to like speak to you while I'm texting, and um, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. But uh, yeah, so Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, man, he is he's also like a video game character with his style and his stance and how he fights and how he attacks. He goes in and out. He just he is the number one ranked fighter in the welterweight division. Um, he's had two insane historic bouts against the now champion Tyron Woodley. And it's super close. The first one ended in like in a draw. And the second one ended in a uh, unanimous decision. Or is it a split decision? I don't know. Pretty much these guys are so neck and neck that on any given day they can beat each other. It's kind of how that works out. Um, but yeah, so Wonderboy uh, came off. Uh, he lost two fights against Woodley. Had a comeback fight against Jorge Masvidal. Ended up winning that fight in a very decisive fashion, and um, now he's uh, going to, you know, to pretty much defend his number one spot, and uh, hopefully, I actually I don't want to give my prediction just yet. So, yeah, so he's going to defend that spot, and we'll see how that goes. Um, he has fought everybody in the welterweight division. He is a little older now. I think he's like 33, 34. Everyone's saying that he's starting to slow down. I disagree. I think with his style of fighting and how he takes care of himself, I think he's going to be good for a few more years before we really notice a difference. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, uh, Wonder Boy pretty much is in a position where he has two losses. Well, he has two title uh, fights. And didn't turn out his way. So now he's in a really weird position where he's like, okay, well, I can't fight Woodley for a third time because I don't think anyone wants to see that fight. But if I beat enough people and get that hype train back up, maybe I can fight him for a third time. And I kind of have to reestablish myself as the man to do it, you know, the man to beat Woodley, which would be great. I mean, I would tune in and watch it because the first two fights are fun. And he's also under the impression of, I got to beat as many people as I can, so the moment Woodley loses his title, if he does, I am the first guy the UFC and the fans think of as far as for that new champion to defend his title. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, moving on. So Darren Till, who is a young kid uh, from the UK, uh, moved to Brazil when he was very young to pursue his uh, career in uh, in mixed martial arts. He did uh, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu out in Brazil, lived there for four years, had a kid, has a family out there, 
guy is crazy. He's, he's he, Mr. International, as I like to call him. He's been everywhere. He's he's lived a crazy life. But yeah, now he's on a he's on a crazy winning streak right now. I think he's undefeated. He is undefeated. I'm pretty pretty fucking sure of that. Undefeated. Um, he kind of came up quietly at first, as far as in the rankings of the welterweight division. But now he just kind of has blown up. Uh, specifically because of his last win over a um, a named opponent who is Donald Cowboy Cerrone. I'm sorry, I got the hiccups out of nowhere, ladies and gentlemen. I do apologize in advance. Let me sip on a little coffee. Maybe that'll help me out. One second. Very nice. So, he uh, has a win over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Darren Till pretty much did whatever he wanted against Cerrone, unfortunately. As much of a fan I am as of, of, uh, of Donald, he um, put him away in the first round. I mean, his range was there. His timing was there. Um, everything. I mean, Donald really did nothing that offered a, offered Till any threat. I mean, it was crazy. It was so one-sided. But um, Cerrone isn't a legitimate welterweight. You know, he's really not. And Darren Till is a big fucking guy. I mean, especially for that division, he's a big guy. So I, I kind of think that was – I think it kind of had to do with not only the matchup, you know, like as far as styles and, and the size difference. Um, but I also think that he had such an easy time because he had a lot of weight over Cerrone. And Cerrone isn't – he's a 55er, you know. He really is naturally. And if the UFC opened up a third division, a third weight class um, at 165, I think that would be Cerrone's – you know, sweet spot. That 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 would be where Cerrone would be the champion. Um, but he has the ability of being the 55 pound champion, no no doubt. And he believes it too. And he's actually thinking about going back down and wait after his next fight. But we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, so um, uh, Cerrone, fucking savage of a dude. Um, bless his heart. Try to fucking fight this dude that outweighed him by 20 pounds. And um, Darren Till did exactly what he's good at, and he fucking caught him. He's a southpaw, so he caught him with that left hand and put him away and hurt him pretty pretty easily, actually. Um, and after that, um, Jesus, after that, everybody was on Darren Till's fucking nutsack. I mean, they were just, this guy's the next big thing. He is. He's a fucking, he's a solid fighter. Solid fighter. But I kind of want to see how he's going to do against these other guys. You know, against guys like uh, Kamar uh, uh, Uzmar Usman or Kamar Usman. You know, who is a wrestler. A fucking scary, scary wrestler. Who just had a fight last weekend against Damian Maya. And, you know, put up a, a put up a pretty dominant performance. You know, for five rounds. Just beat him up. You know, he did counter his sp- sprawl brawl. That kind of a thing. You know, because his wrestling so legit. I kind of want to see Darren Till against one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see him against those... Those those uh, younger lions that are just as hungry and just as powerful, and they have wrestling. You know, can Darren Till stop the takedown? And if he doesn't, how is he off his back? How, how, can he get back up? Can he offer any uh, any um, attacks off his back or off the ground for that matter? I'd love to see that. I don't know. And that's the beautiful thing about this uh, this this MMA math is like certain fighters match up better against each other than others, and. Um, so I like to see Darren Till. I like to see how he solves some of these other problems. And Kelvin Gastelum, you know, after he he's going to fight for the title at 185 for sure, he's going to fight for the title. And after he does, I can imagine uh, Kevin Gastelum going down to 170 and challenging for that title as well. And I like to see Kelvin against some of those guys because I got Kelvin all day. I think Kelvin is the most 
talented fighter, and he's got heart, and he's got uh, hard work as far as like the whole work ethic, because he's Mexican, and um, I think he's the one guy that's going to end up quietly become one of the greatest of all time, because uh, he's an undersized middleweight and he's beating everybody. He had one hiccup against uh, Kevin uh, uh, Chris Weidman, but he sat Chris Weidman down in that first round. He almost put him away, and I think that's that. That's Dude, that's fucking saying a lot. He just got caught with the choke, you know, which sucks. But I think if they ran that back, I got I got Kelvin Gastelum for sure. But so I think Kelvin's going to end up being the middleweight champion. I see him going down to 170 and becoming the welterweight champion, maybe even holding those belts at the same time. The guy's still young. He's like 25. So he's still got a lot of time and a lot of uh, great fights out of this kid. But uh, Darren Till uh, equally as good. I could definitely see Darren Till putting – you know, giving uh, Kelvin a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, challenges as far as presenting a lot of challenges. I can definitely see that, but we'll see how that goes. But aside from that, I see um, Wonder Boy versus Darren Till. It's a great matchup. Uh, the whole M- MMA math thing really kind of comes into play with this one because you have two guys that are strikers. I would say. Wonder Boy has a little bit more. He has more tools in his toolbox, so he can prevent more. He can present more um, uh, uh, opportunities on finishing the fight. But I think at what Darren Till is good at, he is fucking good at it. Like he's really, really good at doing the in and out, and really good at doing that straight punch, following up with the hook, and his his measurement of of distance is is definitely second to none. So he's fantastic. But uh, do I think? Uh, so uh, prediction time. Do I think Darren Till has enough to put away Wonderboy Thompson? Absolutely, absolutely. I think he's gonna. So okay, so I see Darren Till winning a five round split decision fight against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I am a huge Wonderboy fan. I've been a fan of his since he debuted. But I'm not saying that. The age is going to be an issue with this one. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think that. I think Wonder Boy has not – he's not shown me any signs of of, 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 uh, of him slowing down. Um, when he, His last – you can only judge a fight off, off their last fight, right? You can only judge a fighter off their last fight. And his last fight against Jorge Masvidal, he didn't slow down. He was very calculated, very textbook, everything, and he just had a better game plan. And he outstruck uh, Masvidal, who is a dangerous striker as well. And I think uh, Till, uh, what Till is going to do that I don't think other fighters are going to be, what Till does best that I think other fighters don't really have outside of a Woodley is Till can, he can, he can be the aggressor, but can also be the one that kind of backpedals and lets you come to him. And that's one thing that Woodley did against uh, Wonderboy, where he was not the aggressor, because that's actually where Wonderboy shines. He's, he's the best at counter-striking. So what, what Woodley did is he kind of put his back against the fence and played defense until it was time to explode, and he made sure every single shot counted. It, every single shot, whether it was a jab or an overhand right, everything counted, everything landed, and he also had the threat of wrestling. Darren Till doesn't have the threat of wrestling. He doesn't have that strong wrestling base. So I like to see how Darren Till, you know, puts Wonder Boy in a in a defensive mode. I think what's going to happen is Darren's going to mix it up. He's going to he's going to be the aggressor, but he's going to let Wonder Boy come at him a little bit more. And I think he's just going to outstrike him. I think size is going to be a little bit of a difference. I think um, Till is a little bit bigger, heavier. Think of the same height, 
but um, I think he's a little bit heavier. So I see Till being a little bit heavier. I think his shots are going to uh, – he has more power shots than Wonderboy does. Wonderboy isn't really known for his, like, his knockout punching power. Um, and even his kicks for that matter, I mean only a few people he's really knocked out. It's usually a flurry of punches that he ends up having to use in order to put somebody out. Um, Till, on the other hand, is he has power. You know, He has more weight behind his punches. So I see Till – Catching Wonder Boy, and I think that damage is going to do enough to slow down Wonder Boy to where it becomes more of a um, ends up becoming more of an even bout when it comes to speed. Because I do, I do believe Wonder Boy is faster than Till, and I see Till landing enough shots in the first couple rounds. Not saying he's going to win those rounds. I think Wonder Boy is going to win those first two rounds, but I see uh, Till landing enough damage to where by rounds. Three, the ending of two to the third round, I see the the slow. I, I see um, that that damage adding up to where it slows down Wonder Boy just enough to where Till can start landing more, and it ends up being a um, not a one sided beatdown, but it ends up being very obvious that that Till is going to end up being the winner. And they really and the UFC really wants to hype this fight up, this fighter up. Uh, Darren Till. I mean, they're 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 hosting this fight in Darren Till's hometown of of wherever the fuck he's from. So, yeah, man, he's they, they want him to win. So you have those biased judges. Everybody knows those judges, man. They're fucking terrible sometimes. They don't know what they're looking at. But yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But my 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 uh, my pick is Darren Till by a um, unanimous or split decision win. But we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, that pretty much covers all that. I just have a couple of, um, I gotta get going, everybody. Daddy's gotta go to work. Uh, I got a couple of, um, so I covered the Boston Celtics thing. We'll do some local news. So apparently here in West Hills, uh, there was a, um, there was a bomb squad working on a, uh, working to render a safe, suspicious device. Oh wait, I actually read that all wrong. Bomb squad working to render safe, suspicious device in West Hills. So apparently um, some cops were on a trail which led to the 7600 uh, block of Royer Avenue, Royal Avenue. And they located a suspicious item which they believed was a bomb. It contained explosives. And uh, so yeah, they were – yeah, so they were pretty much – they blocked off uh, Stag to Lowell Street. And I don't see that's the thing about this article. This is ABC News. It doesn't say how it ended. This happened last night at eleven thirty. So for those of you that I was here last night, I mean, you know, West Hills isn't too far away. So I wonder what happened. I really don't know. I didn't hear any bombs going off, so I'm assuming they didn't do that planned, uh, uh, you know, that that planned demolition where they fucking put their own bomb next to it to blow it up. Um, but yeah, so that happened last night. Hopefully nobody got hurt. I'm sure nobody did. Otherwise, they would that would, there would be a follow-up article, right? And uh, hopefully it was just uh, paranoia and it actually wasn't any explosive device inside of that um, – uh, I think it was a car or a box that they found or something like that. Crazy though. Crazy. What the fuck are people doing with bombs, huh? What are you doing? Residential area, man. What are you doing? Did it hurt people? Sons of bitches. Yeah, so moving on. Let's see here. I'm trying to find this other article. Um, this one is for those of you that I don't know if any of you uh, remember uh, 
back in Arizona, that whole uh, self-driving uh, self-driving um, car that struck the pedestrian and killed her. Um, they uh, so they just released a um, a report. I guess they did like this whole test on the vehicle and its system and its like, just to figure out exactly why this car didn't slow down. And um, what they found is that this car didn't have a built-in emergency stop button to recognize pedestrians. Well, no shit, right? It fucking hit a woman. And um, and it left the scene. It just like hit her and run and ran. Um, but yeah, so I guess this, this car did, doesn't have that, uh, this system built into it. So it's going to be a huge fucking issue. I think it was Uber that was doing it. So we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I'm no, no surprise. You know I mean, come on. Hit a woman and left the scene of the crime. Obviously, it has no fucking system to recognize pedestrians and to slow down, like an emergency stop. So what are you going to do? But this one, we'll end it with this one. Uh, it's a bit of a bummer. I had high hopes. Um, say what you want about President Trump. I'm not saying I'm a fan of his. I'm not saying that I support him. But I am saying that I do want change. I think that uh, the system that we have is um, is flawed. Um, if you have If you have hatred towards Trump as your president, well then – I wouldn't blame him. I blame the system that he used to work and to get himself into this position of power. Um, I mean, it's not his fault. You know, he just did what anyone else in his shoes would do. And, oh, I have the chance to become president, even though I'm a reality TV show host. Sure, let's do it. I'm going to fucking run for president. And so if somebody like that can, can make it to office, I think that's a huge red flag for everyone else out there. I think you should, I think we as a people should open our eyes and realize. We need to figure out a new system. Now, I'm not sitting here on Long Winnage Bill saying to you, I know what we should do. I have the answers. It's not the truth. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that clearly there's some fuckery going on and there's some shit that, that – there's some holes in our, in, our, in our giant massive boat that we have that we call the US of A. And we need to patch these fucking holes. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're small holes now. They're trickling in water. But that can eventually turn into something that we can't control, we can't fix. So I think this is a clear indication that the system that we have in place needs to be looked at and severe, seriously considered as far as maybe we need to tweak a couple things. Maybe there are a couple areas that we need to fix. Um, so yeah, So, but anyways, that's, that's, all, that's all I'll say about that. So whatever your opinion is of this man, whatever, it doesn't matter. What I am saying is that for those of you that, that uh, for those of you that have been paying attention, um, uh, North Korea and South Korea have been they've been talking. Uh, for those of you that do not know, and if you don't know this, then fucking shit, man. Sorry, uh, catch up. Um, there, it's been about seventy years that North Korea and South Korea have been not talking to each other. I mean, there were multiple times where they that there's pretty much a wall. Right in the middle of North and South Korea, and uh, both countries don't get along. Pretty much this whole wall is being uh, guarded from both ends by military, so let's say they're not fucking around. You know, you can't just go into North Korea, and, uh, and North Koreans can't just walk into South Korea. Um, you pretty much can't even leave North Korea, from what I was told. But, yeah, so it's a serious thing. Uh, they don't fuck around. They don't like each other. Uh, yeah, so this has been going on for like 70 years, right? We're talking about generations of people that died, died knowing I have family in North Korea that I just can't see because of some fucking political issue. And there have been, throughout the years, there have been multiple times where, you know, both leaders have sat down and talked and maybe, 
they 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 try to 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 reconcile the differences, but nothing has ever actually turned into anything. Like as of right now, 2018, North Korea and South Korea are like two family members that just don't talk to each other. <laughs> they just fucking nope, don't like you, you don't like me. I'll never forgive you for that shit um, that you did, and that that's what it is. So. The last uh, several weeks, maybe even the last month, uh, Trump has been very vocal on trying to bridge this gap, trying to trying to really his main motive is denuclearization. Um, he wants to get North Korea to stop their research on 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 making um, uh, nuclear weapons. And I agree. Let's fucking let's stop this shit. Let's stop making bombs that can destroy the planet. How about that? Because we only have this one planet. Stupid. But anyway, so yeah, so he's been. He's been really big on that, and then he's been going out there trying to be, um, you know, Mister uh, Peace Peacemaker. Like, hey guys, chill out. I'll be the mediator. We'll all sit down. We'll have a conversation. And they uh, plan to have this meeting. They plan this meeting back uh, early earlier this month, if not. Uh, yeah, they 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 plan they plan to sit down a little while ago. I want to say they planned on meeting up meeting up last month, and they're going to meet at. Um, at uh, where were they? I think it was Singapore. Pretty sure it was Singapore, and they're supposed to meet on June twelfth. Yeah, in Singapore. So both Trump, um, Kim Jong Un, and the North Korea and the South Korean um, uh, 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 Prime Minister or whatever I forget, um, they're all supposed to meet up in June twelfth in Singapore and talk this whole thing out. Well, just today. Apparently, Donald Trump has pulled out of his meeting. Um, yeah, he just – he hasn't really said why. Well, I mean uh, so far – I okay, so this is a quote from Trump. Uh, I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long planned meeting. Mr. Dr- Mr. Trump wrote in the letter referring to the summit that had been set for June 12th in Singapore. But he added – you talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. Once again, Mr. Trump is flexing on Kim Jong-un. I don't know, maybe Kim Jong-un was still threatening to use his nuclear power, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was just a, 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 a statement that he was misquoted on. I don't know. All I know is that fucking that pisses me off. I was really hoping that in... With this whole meeting, they would finally, you know, find some peace between both uh, be- between both North and South Korea. But I guess we'll um, have to uh, have to wait it out and see what happens. I'm just hoping Kim Jong Un doesn't take that as a as a take Trump pulling out as a form of disrespect, and uh, he decides to retaliate by attacking South Korea or any of the other neighboring countries or the U.S. for that matter. Um, which could happen. I mean, shit, it, it could happen. So um, I guess just keep your eye on, uh, keep your eye out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, definitely, I, I think it's best to be in the know as opposed to being caught off guard. So uh, take that for as, uh, take that for whatever you want. Um, but yeah, so hopefully Trump has a plan. I mean, I know he's not my favorite either, but I mean, if he's a guy that's leading the fucking this whole, this whole charge, I have to support him, man. I have to. I mean, I, I, I want, I want. I want all countries to get rid of their, their 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 nuclear powers. You know what I mean? I want all of them, all of them, including ourselves. Like, let's fucking bury them somewhere, dude. Let's just get rid of them, or at the very least, let's just all promise in some fucking way, even if it's a pinky promise. It's like, hey, let's not use these, okay? Because this is just 
going to destroy everything. And let's not do that. I think there's a civil way that we can handle all disputes. And that that way, 100% is not throwing a fucking bomb that destroys cities. You know, like, that's just, that's not okay. And then you can't live there or grow there or be around that area for 50 years because of the radiation. Like, it's fucking stupid, man. Come on, guys. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. It's a pissing contest. You got Trump flexing on him. So, hopefully this is uh, something that's just ends up... Uh, Ends up actually leading towards uh, world peace. But if not, then... Well, shit. I don't know. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 46 of Long Winded Spiel. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week when we have whoever comes on. We'll see. I'm still trying to get my schedule together with certain people. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for all the long-time listeners. Appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.